On this week's episode, Chris hypes Midnighter and Apollo in the new issue of Wildstorm, we cover most of the massive Marvel news for the week, and finally we introduce a new segment for book lovers called The Secret Short Box, featuring comics for readers of Stephen King. It's happening now on Cover B. Cover beers. Good afternoon, loyal cover beavers. Cover beavers. Well, yeah, we need like a, like a, you know. Is that like a believer? Yeah, yeah, like a believer or a. uh, uh, What's the Tom Hiddleston one? Uh, You have. Oh, like Hiddlestoners, maybe. I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we need something like that. So cumber bitches. Cumber bitches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. there's one. Yeah, 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 there you go. Um, but beavers, like the well, like the big is... toothed sort of rodent. Because well, it's cover bee, and you can't do like cover beers. It doesn't work. It doesn't flow. So it's got to be cover beavers. What if we made them like cover bears? Cover bitches. Good afternoon, cover bitches. Or or cover biatches. <laughs> that works better <laughs> we'll we'll work on it we'll, we'll figure something out we'll let you guys know. so what stood out to you this week comic book wise so this week was actually an oddly light week for me mm-hmm. um which is weird because i've been in the like eight to twelve issues a week range lately yeah. and this week was like six yeah it was like massive for me i had like four dozen <laughs> yeah apparently it was everything you read yeah everything i read <laughs> I read, like... which is fine it just means next week i'm gonna have like 18 titles to try and get through so that'll mm-hmm. be a good time um but i think the one you know some fun stuff happened shuri number five she finally took on the Black Panther mantle. Spoiler alert. Nice. It's not like we didn't all know it was going to happen for the past five issues. You're supposed to lead with the spoiler alert, though. You can't be like, Bruce it's- Willis was dead the whole time. Spoiler alert. You have to, like, lead with it. Mm, you know what I mean? This is hardly a spoiler. We all knew. I mean... Yeah, yeah. You have to be like, spoiler alert, guys. It was all in a snow globe or something like that, you know? Still terrible television history. Yeah, right. Why would you do... Anyway, that that's a whole other tangent. So, that was a cool issue. We all kind of knew it was going to happen. Because that's sort of the whole plot of a Shuri book, I would feel like. Mm-hmm. Um, but then, I think the book that I enjoyed the most this week was um, Miles Morales' Spider-Man, number three. Cool. Um, that was... It's a good issue. Um, it has some fun team-up-ness between our friendly neighborhood Miles Spider and the Rhino, believe it or not. And they introduce Captain America. And there's this really sweet moment where Miles talks about how just being in the presence of Captain America makes you want to be a better person. And it's not because he's a hero. It's just because of who he is. Mm. And it's it's very sweet. It's touching. It's heartfelt. That's cool. Um, yeah, so that was good. And then um, Unstoppable Wasp number five maybe six i think five um that one was personally it it was a great issue it's a great issue and it's a great story arc but it was a little hard to read for me um i have some people in my life who struggle with mental illness Mm -hmm. and this one really depicted her in her depression Mm -hmm. and some of the things she said i have heard people i love say Mm -hmm. and it you know i actually had to put the book down halfway through and go like 
look at cat videos on the internet because Man. it it it's a little it's a little triggering. We'll That's put it intense. that way. Yeah. I mean, but it's it's cool that you know somebody writing in like a mainstream book, you know, and it's like unstoppable wasp. Yes, can take presumably their own experiences and yeah. adequately portray them. Oh yeah, I mean it's so impactful to me to know that there are people out there who are struggling with you know bipolar or depression or anxiety or or manic episodes and they're reading this book and they can see themselves they see themselves finally represented and that that's huge and the fact that she did it so well that it you know hit me really hard as someone who's watched it in other people that i care about it was it was very well done mm-hmm. it was very well done so that one's nice. not too far in either so and stop wasp Go pick that yeah, one up. Worth a pickup. Get yeah. an emotional book. Yeah. Re- just be ready, especially if you have people in your life that you think could relate or, or if you yourself could relate. It it can it can get you. <laughs> It'll sneak up on you. Mm-hmm. But anyway, so what about you? What'd you read this week that made a, made a dent? I read a frick ton. Um, <laughs> you had a big pull yeah, this week. Yeah, I was up like all night reading books. Um, but... Couple number ones stood out to me. Um, high level, number one. It's a new Vertigo title. Seems cool. It's got a nice setup. Um, the, I mean, the characters and the dialogue are a little tropey, a little basic. Um, but the art's pretty cool. The like world that they've built is pretty cool. And there seems to be some sort of like religious allegory going on, which could be cool. So, um, worth picking up high level number one, uh, by Vertigo. It's got a really awesome Matina B cover. Uh, get it while you can before he loses his job entirely. Um, that's the cool one. That's got like a really cool logo, right? Yeah. Yeah. You like the logo. Yeah. yeah. Most, most logos on comics are kind of like, you know, look at this weird, edgy, scraggly, bang pop. Yeah. Yeah. And this is this, you know, this could be the logo of a software company <laughs> like, yeah it's, it's cool kind of cool it's a cool book uh and then sharky the bounty hunter new mark millar yeah uh, i saw that came out once again i will say it will probably end the same way that mark millar books do but um <laughs> it's a super like just good looking book um the premise is okay i mean it's nothing that we haven't seen before kind of like bounty hunter type guy um gets essentially like shoehorned into having to take care of this kid so like mm. action figure has to take care of a kid and it really feels like um really feels like mark millar does lobo huh. in a way with a okay. little bit less like you know lobo can sometimes be very like hey i'm going to chew your face off <laughs> um but it did feel very lobo-y um it's got bianchi doing the art so the art is gorgeous very nice. like nicely painted and a lot of like use of interesting colors um it was cool it's it, you know it's well done like i said like i've always said like i love mark millar's stuff it's just i always get nervous when we get <laughs> into like issue three and they're still setting up characters and premises. And I'm like, wow, we got three issues left. I bet the next one's the climax. And then we're done. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. We'll see. 
Then um, I wanted to, I don't usually do this, but I did want to kind of make a point to mention Bitterroot number four. Um, I have been touting and loving Bitterroot, like I've been loving it since the first issue, and I still very much think it's a uh, great book to pick up, but number four really lost it for me. Really? Um, I don't know. It They had this whole premise of, like, approaching concepts like ignorance and anger and hatred as like monsters and monster hunters like people are literally being infected um and then now there's this new type of monster and in this issue we find out it comes from like despair and stuff like that so it has this like it would have this ability to be very like subtle and take a nice artistic look at racism and you know bigotry and stuff like that unfortunately i just i don't know if the writer just kind of ran out of ways to talk about it or what the deal is but i feel like they're focusing way too much on action Hmm. and so the like cool concepts that have been brought up are getting like dropped to the back Hmm. while we watch these people like jump around and like karate monsters and stuff and it's fine, like, it's a fine monster hunty type book. I just hope that they kind of come back to these, you know, more high-minded concepts that they started to set up, Yeah. I guess. And, because, like, this issue, I don't know, I was just really disappointed because it just felt like a normal, like, there's monsters, let's fight them kind of comic. And yeah. it didn't really have a lot of substance or body to it. It, it was lost just its like, depth. It was just frame by frame by frame of these people. And it felt really quick. And, like, the pacing was way off. It was just, it was kind of an odd issue. Hmm. So, um, I don't know. I'm hopeful. I'm positive because it is a really cool, you know, concept that they've set up. So, I'm going to be optimistic going forward. Right. But uh, number four was just kind of a low point for me. Hmm. It really, like, hit me hard. That's that disappointing. It was like, yeah, it was it was a bummer. Um, It just, it hit me really hard that it was kind of just this normal kind of blasé monster action type thing and it's still cool like the art is still really cool and the like art style is still really cool and i still give a crap about the story but i don't know they just kind of lost it so i hope they turn it around um and then i wanted to talk about wild storm number 20 um wild storm is 20 issues deep i highly recommend it though um warren ellis is doing that and it's great uh it's the art is cool and the story is great and it's really like it's kind of bonkers and really at points kind of convoluted and hard to follow but i love it for that (laughs) um it's i'm jealous of people to be honest it's one of those ones where i'm jealous of people who aren't gonna read it in the monthlies they're gonna read it as like a collection right i just like go start to finish because sometimes i have those points where like a new issue will come in and i'm like crap i don't remember where we're at (laughs) like who the hell is this guy and how do they pertain to these two like organizations that are fighting but it's really cool um wildstorm is a you know series of characters that has been around forever um they were like 90s image characters oh wow and then got bought up by dc sometime like a few years ago and so dc started introducing like um like Midnighter and Apollo and 
a bunch of the other characters whose names are just escaping me right now because I suck at this. Um, <laughs> and introduce them into uh, their universe and then at some point decided to make Wildstorm its own thing. Oh, okay. And I think originally, which this has been the theme with DC, I think originally they were going to do this big, like, a bunch of different titles. But so far we've only had Wildstorm, and then we've had Wildstorm Michael Cray, and the Michael Cray one kind of just died. Mm. Um, so I don't know if it's just low readership they've pulled away. But like I said, that kind of be- seems to be the theme with, <laughs> with DC right now, is they're like, here's a new imprint. Oh, crap. Pull away. Um, yeah, they're doing that a lot. File but... under Young Animals and Black Label, and yeah. now they've got Jinx World, and there's Sandman stuff. And their, uh, oh, what is the Star Comics? Is that the, is that the one that like Young Justice and Wonder Twins and stuff is under Wonder yes. Comics? Wonder Comics. Um, and they've got like a kids imprint coming out, which might be the Star Comics. That might be why that's sticking with me. Anyway, it um, they're just like here's all these imprints, and then they wait and see, and they're like, oh no, and just like shrivel up. Like Young <laughs> Animals literally just like shriveled up and died. Like, it had tons of titles. It did. It took up so much of I feel like I've talked to a lot of people about uh, about Young Animals titles. And then suddenly it was just like, this title was gone, and then that one was gone, and this one, and then this one. Like, it even had a crossover with Justice League. But then it was just like, bloop, bloop, bloop. And then eventually it was just Doom Patrol. And they were like, here's a Doom Patrol issue. And then dead. <laughs> yeah, they, so, they do not yeah. shy away from just shaving just down. Just shutting it down. Anyway... Um, Wildstorm number 20 stands out for me because Midnighter and Apollo appeared and they're awesome. Nice. And I was really excited to see them. Um, and they kick butt. And it's just really cool seeing them in this like gritty quasi sci-fi quasi realistic scope that Warren Ellis has built for this. Um, and it was just fun. It was a fun issue just watching them like beat the crap out of Skywatch people. Nice. <laughs> so, um, it was cool. So those are the ones that stand out to me. I read a bunch of different stuff. Um, none of it was really, it was all just a bunch of like transitionary issues. So none of it really like shocked me. None of it was really like, oh my God. You know, like <laughs> Lucifer's still cool. And um, Avengers is rocking a new story arc and Avengers No Road Home is still worth picking up. But most of it was just kind of like, oh, transition time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So. I mean, you got to read number threes and number yeah, yeah. sevens as well as yeah, yeah. that's a, the and... thing about this medium is not every issue is going to be a killer issue it's true you know? and when the companies try to make it feel like every issue is a killer issue they don't work it it hurts overall yeah because they're trying to pump like crap into you know every single issue and have a reveal in every single issue and unless you've got donny cates writing it that is hard to do and <laughs> it's how you end and up even with, with even with donny cates he'll be like hey you remember this Panel 34 from Thor number blank back in 2012. Yeah, this character. And you're like, how do you remember this? Oh my god. Um, I, I swear, think he has minions. I swear Donny Cates has like a photographic memory. I think he's memorized every comic he's ever read. And he could probably, you could be like, hey, you know, in what panel does, and like describe a scene. And he'd be like, oh, panel 12 of Captain America... Blah, you know. <laughs> See, I, I 
disagree. I think he has a spare bedroom filled with interns whose entire job is to read through weird back issues and be like, run into the other room. Donnie, Donnie, look, this book. Use this character from this panel of this book. And he's like, genius, Craig. I'm using this one in Ghost Rider. I I think they're actually minions. (laughs) He goes in and he's like, I need a new character. And they hold up a comic and they're like, banana! (laughs) He gives them a banana and leaves. (laughs) But yeah, there's some cool stuff. Like, there's a lot of cool stories going on, a lot of cool books going on. But you know, not every issue is gonna just like in TV. Like, not every episode is like, oh, oh my god, I I can't wait until the next episode. Sometimes it's like, oh okay, that you know, got us to where we're gonna be at the mid season finale. And if every episode were like that, then you're watching a soap opera. Yeah, yeah. Or wrestling. Yeah, that's that's what you're watching. Which, which is, is essentially just yeah, which is a incredibly opera. masculine. Yeah. Anyway, opera. that's comics for the week. Woohoo! And now, your cover bee news with your host, Chris and T. And now for news. News news. Um. <laughs> Why do you always do the news news thing? Because I like it. We have news music. We have news intro. But it's not my beautiful voice. Okay. You could do the news intro if you wanted. Mm, that requires effort. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk about Second Coming. Oh, yeah. Got canceled. It so makes Second Coming was a Vertigo title where Jesus was going to come back and find that society is less obsessed with him and more obsessed with a superhero who was like Sun Man or Solar Man or something like that. Uh, apparently a petition got started online mm-hmm. and a bunch of outcry got started online. Once again, as I've always said, probably from a bunch of people who have never touched a comic and it is now canceled. Because, not trying to hate, but DC is scared of controversy as we have seen from Bat Dong and so this is why we can't have nice things. Well, and they're in a particularly, like, hyper anti-controversy area right now because of Bad Dong. You know what I mean? Like, they are very much, like, really worried about the type of controversy they can get to the extent of, like, being super duper editorially strict. You know yeah. what I mean? So. And I know they're going through a bunch of changes. Um, Bleeding Cool actually announced that they're doing another round of changes and they're doing another announcement. I think this week it might actually come out prior to you guys listening to this, the new changes and stuff. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It really kind of bums me out because I was looking forward to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really was too. Um, It looked like a very fun title. It's going to be written by Mark Russell, illustrated by Richard Pace. Um, yeah, and he was going to come to Earth and find Sun Man. It was the conservative site Citizen Go that uh, pushed the campaign to, you know, be overly sensitive. I guess that's the campaign. <laughs> to be overly worried about things that shouldn't really matter. I don't know. I, I guess it's just, it's a bizarre, it's unsurprising, but it's kind of a bizarre thing to care about, you know what I mean? It's yeah. not like, 
we were talking about a comic where Superman is literally fighting Jesus. You know, it or was... in a comic where Superman claims he's Jesus. Yeah, like it's well, and we have we have shows like Preacher, you know, yeah, that exist, and there are shows with like demons and devils. There are movies about like nuns being possessed by demons and nuns get murdered on screen all the time but like the minute it's like jesus is a character it's too much it's like whoa you know i don't know but you know it's not the first time that it's happened i know that south park anytime they put jesus on screen they get a lot of backlash but it's just different i guess dc has to stick to certain like you know grounds to stand on but i just feel like that's an odd an odd bit of outcry to be so concerned about that you literally cancel a title. Yeah. You know what I mean? It just sucks for the writer and the artist because, you, mm-hmm. know, you know, they've already put in work. Yeah, You know, for the sure. effort was already there yeah, and the yeah. planning and the time. Like, And maybe if time goes by, they'll be able to, like, relaunch it, but doubtful. Yeah. Doubtful knowing DC because it'll just start another controversy. You yeah. know what I mean? These people have nothing better to do. But I'm sorry if you were looking forward to Second Coming. If you have it down on your file at your local shop, go uh, sob with them. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, all orders of all issues have been canceled officially. So So speaking of canceled, it officially happened. We're canceled. No, not us. We're fine. How do we, we don't even, did we cancel us? We're, we're we don't not... report to anybody. This is your fault. <laughs> we're not on Netflix. We're not getting canceled. <laughs> yeah, it happened. Mm. They pulled the trigger on Jessica Jones and Punisher. Mm-hmm. Though, apparently we're still going to get I knew it. season three of Jessica Jones. Mm-hmm. But that's not the interesting news. The interesting news is that as soon as it was officially over... Hulu piped up and was like, yo, Daredevil, Punisher, call me. And now apparently it might move over to Hulu. What's going on with Disney that? Plus. What is going on with Marvel's relationship with Hulu? Because I, I, I know like Disney Plus is coming. Yeah. Is it just that Hulu is so like eager for content that they don't care about cross-promoting with Disney Plus? That would be my guess, to be I honest. I also think there's some sort of connection in that a lot of Hulu stuff started as ABC stuff. Mm-hmm. And Disney owns ABC. And so Disney and Hulu have had a long-term, you know, good friendship connection far before disney ever did anything with who or with netflix and disney and netflix have always been contentious mm-hmm. because you remember the big like shebang when disney yanked like most of their good movies off of netflix and everyone was really upset and it was like mm-hmm. oh it's because we're getting our own thing but we still don't have disney plus and that was years ago shebangs man but they've been shebangs shebangs Ooh, baby Ooh, baby Oh, God, I can't believe we just did that. <laughs> you joined me on I that, know, I that can't, roller coaster. I, you know I am a joiner yeah. in that regard. Anyway, I guess they've just had a long-term, friendlier relationship than Disney and Netflix, and so yeah, it wouldn't I, surprise me. I think it's just, it's mainly just Netflix has, I guess, a better ability to stand on its own. And Hulu has always had a good relationship with its TV partners. You know what I mean? Like, Netflix has done a lot to push its own created content. And Hulu has done a lot to be like, 
hey, like, I mean, most of their commercials are like, hey, you know that show you love? You can watch it on Hulu. You know what I mean? Like, they get most of their people by raking that in. So if they can get shows from Marvel, you know, they got these animated shows coming up. They've got now, maybe they'll get the Daredevil and Punisher, like the Daredevil verse, whatever we want to call it. Defender verse. Defender verse, that works. Yeah, yeah. I think they should frame it under the Marvel Knights because then they can start working in some other characters. But well, I could see the Defenders is also tends to be like a bigger scale type thing. Yeah, but I could see Hulu really liking having the ability to say that they have both the Defenders and the Offenders. True. Yeah, yeah. That, they could do a crossover. That'd oh be my, cool. Uh, <laughs> my brain hurts. Yeah. But I'm into it. But um. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's just that Hulu is more wants to especially now with netflix so like them canceling them these shows is like a line in the sand of netflix saying we are our own beast yeah we're our own thing we got our bird boxes and our bandersnatches and you can't have them yeah you can't have none of this Mm -mm. and they're standing over there like in their window like throwing marvel stuff out the window and it's like (laughs) you don't get none of this and like posing in their lingerie and marvel's like oh baby come on um, but cool bit of news out of this whole thing is that Jeff Loeb made a statement basically just, you know, giving a rough like, hey, our network partner uh, may have decided they no longer want to continue telling the tales of these great characters, dot, dot, dot. But you know Marvel better than that. And then he says, he goes on to say, as Matt Murdock's dad once said, the measure of a man is not how he gets knocked to the mat. It's how he gets back up. And he ends it with a single line that says, to be continued, dot, dot, dot. So officially, officially from the man upstairs, um, like, I'm sure he's upstairs, you know what I mean? Like, he's not God, but he's like, there's probably stairs. I don't imagine Jeff Loeb works on the first floor is what I'm saying. Maybe he really doesn't like stairs or he's like afraid. He could be afraid of elevators. I feel like if I was a CEO, I wouldn't want to work on like, you know, the penthouse yeah like all the way like 50 stories up i would be like no i'll take a lobby (laughs) at the same time maybe he works in a home office yeah yeah. maybe he's remote anyway he is the boss of marvel tv and he has said that it will be back so it's happening it's either gonna be hulu or disney plus i'd be down with hulu you know i mean i'd be down with either but it's it makes sense for marvel to have their exclusive tv stuff in two places that's not a network yeah you know what i mean because people are moving away from networks entirely like people are moving away from cable tv so if you pick a network that doesn't stream as well then you're isolating an entire group you know and people love streaming and love being able to just like binge everything yeah it's true and if they have two services then they're basically just proliferating what they can do because if you overload like if they had like a new show coming out every week on disney plus you know people would get overloaded and they wouldn't watch everything yeah but if you have like one this week over here and one this week over here then not only do you get people who don't have the money to have two streaming services but it spreads it out enough that people can bounce it's also kind of a significant f you to netflix yeah because it's like look we're playing nice with these people, and we're playing nice with these people, and we're playing nice mm-hmm. with these people, and you can go hit a cliff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, in other redemptive TV news, Ooh. I'm really freaking excited about this. Ooh. 
Um, Neil Gaiman has signed on to produce a resurrection of Jim Henson's Storyteller. Oh my god, my heart! Yeah. So for those who don't know, Jim Henson's Storyteller (gasps) was a show that focused on uh, European folklore stories and fairy tales. Um, It was narrated by a character played by John Hurt. Uh, he was like an elf of some sort and he had a dog. Yeah. And he would introduce oh. the stories a la the Crypt Keeper, but with more fresh baked cookies. And <laughs> he was like the Crypt Keeper Crypt Keeper's nice cousin, you know? Yeah. So he'd be like, you'd go over like I imagine their family reunions were weird. Cause you'd go in and like Crypt Keeper would be like, Welcome, kitties. And John Hurt's character would be like, Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. We're talking about giants eat a cookie yeah yeah. here's a fresh baked cookie um (laughs) but they're gonna resurrect the crap out of it that's Um, amazing no idea of like you know a release date or what channel or anything i don't think um but it's super exciting first of all i love henson stuff and i'm so happy that the henson company is just making strides to like do some cool shit like they've got this coming they've got the prequel to the dark crystal coming um maybe hopefully more muppet stuff like i'm really sad that the like muppets office 30 rock thing didn't (laughs) didn't work um but you know maybe more muppet stuff coming but it just works for neil gaiman too because he's done so much like american gods is based in like folklore he's got a what is that one the nancy boys is based in like folklore and stuff and myth and with his like you know, just willingness to look at kind of obscure stories, then maybe we'll get some, like, Slavic-type stories. Maybe we'll get some, you know, Asian-themed stories. I'm just really excited to watch how this develops and see, like, are they going to do the same thing? Like, are they going to get somebody to be John Hurt's character and have the dog there? Are they going to do it new? Like, is it going to be a new type of Could it be a framing story? Yeah. Um, but it's really exciting. I am super excited. That to is, see the storyteller that is dope. come back. That, that's so. really exciting. That, like, and drags Neil, me back to and it's my Neil, childhood, Neil man. And it's freaking Gaiman, you know what I mean? So it's going to be just stellar. It's going to yeah, be so it's cool. It's probably going to play, you're right, like, into, like, Greek mythology and all yeah. this sort. Oh, man. Yeah. I'm, I am in. I am so in that is play. really exciting. Uh, as that develops, I'm sure we'll talk about it more. Yeah. Other fun news... Hugh Jackman and Patrick Stewart are in the Guinness Book of World Records. Oh, really? For being the longest-running superheroes in a live-action film. <laughs> nice. 16 years they were Wolverine and Professor X. Man, that's crazy. 16 freaking years. Huh. And it's gonna be longer because eventually he was going to give in to Ryan. <laughs> it's gonna happen they there's a i've been posting them on our facebook page another reason why you guys should follow us on facebook the there's somebody on reddit named boss logic and yep. he has been making posters really of dope posters, iconic yeah. um movie posters with uh wolverine and deadpool in them so there's been like we heal our scars based off of the <laughs> like you know mm-hmm. that movie and then there's there was one that was for the proposal and like they're hilarious and they're great and I feel like Hugh needs to just give in and let it happen. Okay? Just do it. You could be, you know, 
Dead Man Logan. I don't care. Did we um did we ever share the video of Hugh Jackman and Ryan Reynolds doing commercials for each other? I don't know. Did you ever see that? I don't think I okay. did. We'll watch that tonight after we record. We'll post it on Friday after the episode. We will share it. So check out our Facebook for this video. It's hilarious. They basically, they put a truce up because, you know, they have this like anti each other thing. Yes. They're kind of very, it's very um Jimmy Kimmel and Matt Damon. You know uh, what I mean? Yes. Um, and they put up a truce and they each trade to do commercials for each other's uh company so uh <laughs> ryan reynolds has aviation gin and hugh jackman has laughing man coffee okay and so ryan airs his commercial and it's this really sweet like here's all the stuff that hugh jackman does and he makes like hugh puns but like it's very straightforward like laughing man coffee is great get laughing man coffee it's got like people like picking the beans and like roasting them and it's like right. very talks about how it gives back to the community and stuff like that and then it comes back and he was like, wow, that was really nice. And Ryan's like, well, let's see yours. And he's like, no, you know, it's not, it's not finished. Oh no. And that's where I'll leave it. Watch the video. Oh God. It's hilarious. I'm excited. Um, but yeah, it's, I love the two of them and I would love to see them do movies together. And I think it would be fun. Like, I think at this point, what would be fun is to do a movie about Ryan Reynolds and there's no way that the studios would ever, like, allow this. But, like, if Marvel wanted a fun movie, they should do... They should fund a movie that is Ryan Reynolds trying to convince Hugh Jackman to play Wolverine again. And it's, like, a buddy, like, hangover-esque type movie where they get into shenanigans while Ryan Reynolds just, like, stalks Hugh Jackman. But the characters are Ryan Reynolds and Hugh Jackman, and you could have, like, Marvel people, like... Kevin Feige and Jeff Loeb and stuff like that pop up. But, like, you know, just have the two of them and, like, other actors that have played other roles. You know what I mean? I mean, wouldn't it wouldn't it be kind of be funny if, like, during that they even had, like, Patrick Stewart and Patrick Stewart would be like, hell, I'm Jean-Luc Picard again. Anything's possible, man. Yeah, and you, you know could what just, I mean? You, <laughs> like... could just, you could do so much fun meadow with that. Like, you could have, like, like just spitballing. It opens. Ryan Reynolds is, like you know, lambasting Hugh to a friend who's off camera. And he keeps talking about how, like, that friend's willing to do roles even though he's not the main character because the Hulk hasn't been the main character for a long time, but you're still willing to play him. And then, like, cut to the other person, and it's Edward Norton. <laughs> and he's like, I'm, I'm, I'm not in... I'm not the Hulk anymore. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Anyway, I was thinking about this the other day. And Come I on, Hollywood. Thinking, yeah, get Make on in Hollywood. Happen. I will write it for you. <laughs> Please give me money. <laughs> um, speaking of Marvel, <laughs> I feel like we're always speaking with Marvel. There's a lot of like, Marvel. Marvel just does so much shit. There's a lot going on. With DC's Marvel. like, hey, we have awesome TV. And Aquaman. <laughs> just like, just, yeah, they're like, hey, we're we're just gonna be comfortable. Back here doing that, and Marvel's like, we're announcing this! Anyway, I thought this was interesting. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on it, but Marvel announced a new Avengers series um, in comics called Savage Avengers. Have you seen that? No. So, a little bit of time ago, Marvel got the rights back to a certain shirtless barbarian oh, named, named um, Connor. 
Conlon. Conan. 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 Cannon. <laughs> Conan the Barbarian is back with Marvel from Dark Horse. Um, and Marvel is milking Conan's large, muscly teats like he's. <laughs> like they've got a long winter ahead. So he's going to pop up in No Road Home. Like the solicitations for one of the later episodes. Really? Episodes, issues uh, of No Road Home have Conan on the cover. So something happens at some point in that story arc and it's got Scarlet Witch and Conan fighting together. Really? And yes. And now he's going to be on a freaking Avengers team. Shut up. With Dr. Voodoo, Punisher, Venom, Elektra, and Wolverine. It's a badass team. Also, the way they're setting it up, in the articles I've read about it, in the interviews that the that they've done uh, done for it, it's Duggan writing it, um, and Diodato Jr. is going to be doing the art. Um, but in the interviews that I've read about it from various Marvel people, uh, they've talked about how basically the premise is going to be there's something going on in the Savage Lands that involves magic, and what they find when the Avengers get there so on the Avengers side, they know that a bunch of dark warlocks are doing something in the Savage Lands. Okay. So they go to stop it. Okay. What Conan, on Conan's side, he hears about a magical amulet and he goes to retrieve it. Okay. From these dark sorcerers. What they find is that the dark sorcerers have created some sort of interdimensional, like, safe haven where they can come and meet and swap spells and, like casserole recipes i imagine right Tupperware um, parties. yeah they're gonna be like this piece can hold four gallons of g- casserole <laughs> never been to a tupperware party we, the we extent, couldn't tell at all the extent i know about tupperware parties is the like have sex with the fish boy from <laughs> american horror story so i don't know i don't know if there's fish boys at every Tupperware party do sometimes you get an amphibian boy I don't know anyway um (laughs) so he goes to get the amulet they end up meeting and apparently it's just gonna be funny because like you know the Marvel people have never really met Conan but they can kind of accept what he is you know what I mean he's this big really powerful muscly guy I think they have one of those um but on Conan's side he doesn't understand necessarily like superpowers and stuff so he feels everything out in the realm of magic you know what i mean Uh... and conan historically is very anti-magic he does not like sorcerers he's not a fan right um he often fights them and like magical beasts so apparently like one example is when he sees venom he immediately assumes he's some sort of evil genie Presumably, at that point, Venom's face looked like Will Smith. I don't know. Um, Venom. It's rewind time. Um, Oh, no. But yeah, like, stuff like that. And, you know, what is he going to think about Wolverine's ability to heal? What is he going to think about, you know, voodoo's voodoo? What is he going to think about Frank Castle... brooding i don't know um is his super brood still gonna have hot claws i don't know what's going on with the hot claws i'm not keeping up with that why do we keep mentioning hot claws because it makes you angry it makes me so angry i don't know <laughs> he so he's been an uncanny and i haven't seen 
a sign of hot. I don't think they've shown the hot claws in Uncanny. And I've seen him on a few covers for like, I think on Hulk Vereen's cover, he's got hot claws. But on this cover, it doesn't look like he has hot claws. So I don't know. I don't know if the hot claws are staying, going, hopefully going. <laughs> they should be going. It's dumb. Um. Anyway. Nice. Savage Avengers is coming uh, sometime later this year. I don't know when. I don't think they have a date yet. But yeah. That'd be cool. They're definitely beating the crap out of the Conan horse, but eh, whatever. That's what they do. Yeah, it's Marvel's MO. Welcome, book lovers and bibliophiles. Join us now for a journey through the secret short box. Alrighty. So we are moving into a new segment for you guys. Ooh, new segment. New stuff. And this segment is called the Secret Short Box. So when we do the Secret Short Box, we're gonna do the uh, we're gonna tell you about um, comics that we recommend for people who read certain authors. The this concept week- is if you imagined that an author had a short box of comics in their like writing room hidden away under their desk what comics would be in there you know right. because they have similar themes and writing styles and blah, or behaviors know. or yeah. whatnot what comics would these writers of old or new or kind of old or like slightly old but still kind of new but they don't really write anything anymore but we all know about them but we don't think about them anymore so they're effectively old I need you to back up. So what comics would these authors read? <laughs> and this week, we're going to start with a big one. Um, some guy named Stefan Queen. Uh, Steve, Stephen King. Steve, that's not right. That's not what yeah, I wrote. Yeah, no. Down. No, well, you wrote it wrong because it's Stephen King. I've never heard of this guy. So mm-hmm. Yeah, good. So if you read Stephen King, you probably like, you know, High level cre- character creation. You mm. like horror a lot of the mm-hmm. time. Horror and mystery, typically a setting of some sort of rural setting or maybe a small town. Very Midwestern in a lot of them. Sometimes you've got some history tapped in there. Mm-hmm. He does like his historical fiction. Themes of the supernatural, themes of the effects of madness on an individual, themes of the effect of fear on an individual, and themes of isolation. Yes. So, what is your first well, I'm gonna start, suspicion of yeah. what would be in his secret I'm going to start with box. a few honorable mentions, um, because they're obviously connected okay. to Stephen King, um, but they are good if you're a fan of Stephen King to pick right. up, but they don't want to be, I don't want them to be ones that I, like, hark on. Um, so there are a few Stephen King comics, so if you're an avid Stephen King reader, he has done, directly done some comics that might be worth picking up. Um, Creep Show, obviously Stephen King. Dark Tower, yep. obviously Stephen King. Um, he also did American Vampire with Zack Snyder, which is a really cool concept um, that takes into account that America is such a new nation by the grand scheme of the world and what you know ancient immortal vampires would be like going through the different decades in American history. It's a really cool read. Um, I also, his son, Joe Hill, has done a couple of graphic works. 
Granted, he's done a lot to separate himself from his father and not just be, like, in his dad's shadow. Um, but Tales from the Dark Side, which are scripts from a failed relaunch of the TV show. Oh, that's and cool. Lock and Key, which actually has a Hulu show coming. Um, both worth picking up. I've heard amazing. I've never actually read Lock and Key, but I've heard amazing things. Um, that might also be a good one. Just side note, if you're fans of uh, Haunting of Hill House. It's got very similar themes. It's a family moves into this mysterious house. These kids find a bunch of magical keys and then they uncover this like almost Lovecraftian mystery behind this house. And it's just a great, like it's a lot of people refer to it as Joe Hill's magnum opus. It's just like wonderful horror storytelling. Wow. Cool. Um, The ones that aren't necessarily directly connected to Stephen King that I wanted to say, I got two. Uh, Witches by Scott Snyder. Oh, nice. Um, it's a five or six issue mini. Comes in a trade paperback now. And they actually have a second volume coming, like a second book. Um, so not necessarily a continuation from the story, but more stories told in that world. Anyway, um, very, very cool. It fits the kind of small town bill that Stephen King builds up. Um, it's about a girl and her family moving to this town, and it slowly unravels that this girl's family's history might lie somehow tied to these dark beings that hide among the trees. Mm. Madness ensues, darkness overcomes the family, and it's it's just really well written and really... It doesn't have much in the ways of, like, scares, but it fills you with dread and this, like, eerie feeling... It kind of makes you nervous to go out into the woods, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I could see that. Um, and then Revival by Tim Seeley. Um, both of these are image titles, uh, interestingly enough. Um, Revival is touted as a rural uh, horror noir, or rural horror, I think, just horror, but it's got noir elements. It's kind of a horror mystery set in a small rural town where a... it. Uh, the town gets quarantined uh, once some people start coming back from the dead. So dead re- denizens of the town just show up one day like, Hey, I'm, hey it's it's me. It's Billy. I'm back. That's weird. And, um, <laughs> and everyone's like, Oh, I hate Billy. <laughs> quarantine this bitch. <laughs> and so they quarantine it. And Billy's like, But why? Um, and there's like weird white specters. That have been seen in the woods. And it follows a, uh, I think, detective? Police person detective? Um, mm-hmm. It follows her. And she has to work with the CDC to kind of figure out what's happening. So there's mystery. There's horror. There's undead people, which Stephen King likes. And it's just an awesome book. It's a great read. Um, I love Tim Seeley. I've always loved Tim Seeley ever since Hackslash. Um, which I'm surprised I haven't mentioned Hackslash on the show yet. It's coming. There will be a day where I just rant about how great Hackslash is. Um, but my two suggestions to wrap it up, Witches or Revival, if you're a fan of Stephen King. Nice. So my honorable mention is going to be Die by Karen Gillan. We've, okay. we've mentioned it. And the reason I suggest it is because it's very steeped in its own world. Mm-hmm. And and 
Stephen King loves to build a world. Very dark, towery. Yes, yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah, it's it's, it's got that action adventure, but it's also got some dark, twisted themes, and it's got you mm-hmm. know emotional turmoil, and those are all very much up his alley. And mm-hmm. It's still early on; it's only what three issues deep, so yeah. that's a good one to jump right in if you're looking Dive for something immediate in, yeah. and that's going to be f- continuous. The number one went to like three printings. By yeah, now, they just put insane. out the third printing, yeah, so it's awesome. Congrats. clearly it's it's doing well. Um, but so my actual picks for this, um, my first one is going to be Redlands. It's a book by, uh, Jordi Belair, um, and it's drawn by Vanessa Del Rey, which the art in this, you can't even call it beautiful. Mm -hmm. It's just perfect for the subject matter. It's one of those books. uh, stunning, maybe, or, um... Uh, there's a good word there is a good word and i I can't think of the word to describe it it'll come to me but the story is basically about a group of witches um who have essentially taken over a town in florida called redlands florida Mm -hmm. and they run the police office and they do their witchcraft and it is dark and it is gruesome and it plays with very graphic and you know offensive themes i mean there's a whole section of the book where um one of the witches is co-possessed by the spirit of a girl who died after she was human trafficked by her father i mean it is it is dark and it is broody but the thing about the art is that the art is all based around shadow Mm. and, and light and depth perception yeah. and and just yeah, I shading love, i and love the covers on that book it's it's so they're so like they'd make a good like mural yeah it's, you know they're pencil heavy and mm-hmm. it and it fits the theme so well because the content of the book is not meant to be pretty yeah it is hard but it is intense and it's empowering for women mm-hmm. and it's weird and the characters are supernatural and you know there's demons and there's the devil and there's witches and there's magic and possession and it's it's great it it definitely ties into stephen king themes Mm -hmm. and you know i mean they're cops and you know that stephen king loves bringing in a detective or or a police officer it's a it's the type of art you would see like in a horror movie set in like a southern mansion or something and they like wipe away dust on a painting yeah and it's like you know like this dark like a dead snake with like trees and marsh behind it or something you know like it's all really so beautifully because even though it's set it's set in florida it has that southern down home weird swampy feel like it's it, it almost, it could be in Louisiana, it could be in the lower parts of Georgia, like, it's got that gritty, southern, you know, you almost kind of want to eat biscuits with gravy as you're reading it. <laughs> like, they mm. they lay that on, and it's it's great. So I'm that's... for some biscuits and gravy. I mean... I can always eat biscuits. I can always eat anything. I, I just, I like eating. <laughs> Eating's great. Eating's great. What were we talking about? My other comic choice. <laughs> so this one's a little bit different, but I mm-hmm. think it does still actually play very well into um, Stephen King and his themes. So as I mentioned before, Stephen King loves him some historical fiction um, and some gruesomeness. Mm-hmm. And this has both. Um, Sweet. 
I, I, I apologize. I, I'm doing that thing again, but it's, it's Karen Gillan. Uh, it's Uber. So I haven't talked much about Uber, but, uh, Uber is this incredibly long and elaborate rearticulation of an alternate version of what could have happened in the second world war. Mm -hmm. Um, if maybe even the first world war, I think primarily the second, um, it basically talks about how, what if Germany had essentially found or created the nuclear bomb before America, but it wasn't a bomb, it was a person. What if they were able to tap into weird, mutant-like, chemical reactionary behaviors to make people into tanks with superpowers that could level cities and demolish entire swaths and states of land. And it's so told so matter-of-factly and told so sequentially. And you focus on very specific people, but not all the time. It jumps around in different issues. And sometimes it's told from the perspective of the Germans and sometimes it's told from the perspective of the Russians and sometimes it's told from the perspective of the Americans and the, and the English and, mm-hmm. you know, all of the major players you expect to be in there. And I mean, Alan Turing's in it and it's both incredibly factually significant. I mm-hmm. mean, he read just about everything in a day. There's afterwards in most of the issues and I read all of them, which is not something I typically do, but I mean, he pulls on real locations and real battles and real things. Mm-hmm. And it is gruesome and it is heart-wrenching. And you care about these people who are essentially monsters. And it is so smart. I mean, it kind of gives you a similar feeling as when you're watching, like, The Shining. Mm-hmm. Like, it, you just, it's powerful is mm-hmm. a good word. And I think Stephen King presents a lot of powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. So. Cool. So those are our picks. <laughs> for what we consider Stephen King's secret short box. So if you are a Stephen King fan, get your hands on Uber, which is Die, Revival, uh, Redlands, Redlands, or any of the Joe Hill stuff or the Stephen King stuff. If you want something directly written by Stephen King, I highly recommend American Vampire. Well, that's it. That wraps it up. That puts a bow on it. That leaves it at your ex-girlfriend's doorstep that rings the doorbell and waits patiently but then that also gets in the car and drives away because you just can't see her again you gotta stop watching soap operas man they're just so they have so many emotions they hurt Rosita left Pablo I, I, I'm, I tried, you guys. I'm really sorry. I don't even speak Spanish. Well, he has a moment. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, guys. Uh, Thank you, Cover Beavers. No, Cover Biatches. We agreed on this. I just never agreed on anything. Well, I make the decisions. So follow sure. us on Facebook or on Twitter at Cover Bee Podcast. Check us out on Instagram. Uh, we both have personal Instagrams that we keep up with regularly. Yes, and you can find us and locate any of your favorite <coughs> ways to listen to the podcast from our website, coverbeepodcast.com. And share it. 
Yes. Share it like you would share the measles. Oh, don't do that. Too soon? Oh. <laughs> anyway, stay tuned for our next week for our next episode of Cover B. Bye, guys. Adios.